today more like Jesus by one voice worship what a great and amazing and a powerful song to start out today's show and I want to just say this the best line of that song was thank you for saving me from myself 
Thank you for saving me from myself. Not from Satan. Not from the evil one. Not from a monster. Not from a military. Thank you for saving me from myself. How incredibly powerful is that line? And here's the other thing about that song. That guy was up there, just him and Jesus. You know what I mean? I want to go back to the picture of this guy's face. Because I, I perform on stage. I do music. And I understand when you are in a zone and you're all by yourself. Nobody up is else, uh, Nobody else is up there with you. But you could tell this guy was definitely with Jesus. Look at this picture. That's passion, folks. I saw tears in that man's eyes while he was thanking Jesus for his death and resurrection, while he was thanking God for sending Jesus to save us from ourselves. And when I look back, the last... 30 years of my life. And I think about the person who caused me the most harm. It was me. It was me. It wasn't an ex. It wasn't a bully. It wasn't the cops. It wasn't the justice system. It wasn't some landlord. It wasn't some friend. The person who caused me the most harm over the last 30 years of my life is me. And I would challenge you to think back of the last 20 to 30 years of your life and think about who has caused you the most harm and the most trouble. And I can guarantee you nine times out of 10, everybody in this chat will say me. And you want to know something else? It's not even close. I'm going to bring up the rumble chat. Let's see what the LFA family's thinking. That's right, Jeremy. It's me as well. We all been through stuff, says Logan. It's me too. Me too, Jeremy. Definitely myself. I did everything to myself. So true, Kristen said. It was me. KC says, it's always me. C-Man says, yep, me. Ruth, it was me. Ain't no doubt about it, says Larry. That's the truth. We are our own worst enemies, says Tina. My flesh is sinful, says CQ. Freebird says, definitely me. Look at this, folks. I was today years old when I realized that I have, I have caused myself the most problems. And it was listening to that song that made me just now realize that at the ripe old age of 44, when my life is probably more than half over, better late than never. Better late than never. You know... I used to blame my mom and my dad for everything that ever happened to me. I used to blame their terrible parenting. I used to blame their constant um, neglect. I blamed their discipline and their lack of love. And then I realized 
that I created my own problems. That it was me to blame for going to prison and all that stuff. I was able to do that. But then for years, I was unable to say, okay, your mouth, your swearing, your anger, your quick to judge, all of those traits, I would still say, oh, well, it was the way I grew up. It's not my fault. It's just who I am. And now, listening to that song at 44 years old, I realize that I have been saved from myself. Eli, you want to do me a favor and click that camera? Lisa Young just donated $100 and says, just because I haven't donated in a while, feeling so blessed to catch Rise Up Live this morning. Well, I feel so blessed to have received $100 from you, Lisa, for our efforts here. That is so hard for people to do nowadays. And even though we are so low on our monthly donations from our audience, God is finding a way to provide. And I guarantee you, you don't have an extra $100 that you can just part with. And you're doing it out of kindness and generosity. And I want to say thank you very much. But again, ladies and gentlemen, we are truly saving, being saved from ourselves. Not Satan, not some demonic force. Again, Satan only gives us, has as much power as we are willing to give him. Amen? Jeremy, that is such a huge revelation. It's huge, brother. I know. And I just got it this morning. Like right as I right before I was coming on Rise Up, that's when that happened. Wow. Wow. Why are you afraid of anything else in the world when you're the one who's caused yourself more damage by far than anybody on earth? So today's show is titled Ignoring Prophecy. And I want to say that this is tied in That song and that revelation is tied in to this newsletter today. Arthur said, I just learned 19 years ago when I met Anna that chasing money since I was 13 years old was only me that cared how much money I had. And being a millionaire twice did not make me a great guy. Boom. Money can buy happiness, but it cannot buy joy. A lot of people say money doesn't buy happiness. I beg to differ. Money can't buy joy. Money could definitely buy happiness. Your life is about to change, brother. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I am so filled with joy from the Holy Spirit this morning for that revelation to know that I, I am the biggest danger to my own life. Oh my gosh, is that going to make me think differently about everything that I do? And I'm blessed. I am blessed. So ignoring prophecy. Ladies and gentlemen, last night, as I was reading the word before bed, I happened to come across Isaiah 53. Now, I had just got done. I I left work last night. Thank you, Grammy love. God bless you. So I left work last night. I went home. We have a thousand projects that I've been procrastinating on including right here at work because so much has been going on and that's not an excuse. I am going to do better everywhere. So last night I got home and there were some projects to do. I had to put together, you know, uh, directions, putting together stuff that you buy, like furniture and stuff like that. Oh yeah, so fun. 
But I got home last night and I was doing that. And while I was doing that after dinner, I was watching this um, biblical artifacts documentary about uh, the the uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls and beyond. Right. So then after it was talking about in that in the in the Dead Sea Scrolls, it was talking about things that were found that uh, that were that referred to Isaiah and things that had actually belonged to Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. So when I went to bed last night, I started reading Isaiah, and I came across Isaiah 53. Now, if you don't know, Isaiah is part of the Old Testament, right? The Old Testament is filled with scripture very similar to the Torah. It is what the Jewish people lived their lives by, the scriptures of the Old Testament, the prophets' writings, okay? So the Jewish people definitely held the prophet Isaiah in a very high regard. So why did they ignore him? I mean, you're talking about being your own worst enemy here, and the Jewish people are constantly driven from their land decade after decade, century after century, millennia after millennia, and you wonder to yourself, why did you ignore your very highly esteemed, put up on a pedestal prophet, and rightfully so, why did you ignore him? At the most important part of his time on earth, he's prophesying the coming of the Messiah and he explains it to a perfection, to a T. He crosses all T's, he dots all I's. And it's not the only prophecy of Jesus, obviously. There's many prophecies of Jesus. If you go back to Psalm, David is talking about having your hands and feet pierced for iniquity. That's in Psalm. But here we are in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 explains the coming of Jesus and who Jesus is and what you can recognize, what you can see when he comes that will fulfill scripture, that will fulfill prophecy. So why did the Jews ignore one of their most popular prophets of all time? It doesn't make sense to me. I was dumbfounded when I went to sleep last night, and I could not wait to get here today. So are the Jewish people their own worst enemy? I don't think that's a question. Now, people might say to me, well, that's very, very, very low of you, Jeremy. That's very, very low of you because Jewish people aren't attacking themselves and cutting their own heads off and burning themselves alive. No, maybe not. But that doesn't mean that they're not their own worst enemy. Let me ask you this. What is the only unforgivable sin? To know the truth of Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit and you reject it. 
Now, you may hear, hear me refer to Jesus as Yeshua rather than Jesus because Yeshua is what most of the world knew him by. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, knowing it's real, knowing it, it exists, and rebuking it and ignoring it on purpose. The only unforgivable sin. Basically what Satan did. Amen? Rejection of the Holy Spirit. And, the whole, and you cannot reject the Holy Spirit without rejecting God. And you cannot reject God unless you reject Jesus. And you cannot reject Yeshua unless you reject Yahweh. They're all one, three in one. You reject one, you reject them all. It's that simple. So while we have almost 1,400 people in here watching, I think it's a perfect time to go to the great B-I-B-L-E. I'm going to read for you from Isaiah 53. Actually, I'm going to read a little bit before 53 and then reading into 53. Now you tell me that if you're a Jewish person in the time that Jesus, Yeshua, came for his first coming, you tell me why he was rejected. Nurse says Jesus didn't come in the way they thought he would. Why? It says it right here exactly the way. I'm going to read it to you. Thank you, Hope Up. Thank you very much. Oh, look at that. One of our clients blessed us yesterday, wanted to share a blessing. Jump off and I, Hope Up. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Again, I don't know why he didn't come the way they thought he would come. Open your Bibles up to Isaiah 53, and it will tell you everything you need to know. This is why I don't understand why they rejected him. It even said how he would come. Let's read. I want you to pay very close attention. Now, I want you to pretend that you have no idea what I'm about to read, okay? I know that's hard. Jury, please strike it from the record, right? I want you to pretend like you don't know what I'm about to read so you can go into this with a very open mind and you tell me if I'm wrong in the way that I'm perceiving this. I'm going to read from 52.13 into 53, and then I'm going to read all the way to 54. Now, this may take a minute, but I want you to read it with me, okay? The sin-bearing servant. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Thank you, Kittenhead. Just as many were astonished by you, so his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what he had not been told, them they shall see. And what they not heard, shall they consider." Now let's go into 53. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. From here on, it's going to tell you exactly who Yeshua is. Ready? Listen to this. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root 
out of a dry ground. What's he explaining there? What's he explaining? He's explaining from a place in which you would not expect a very, very unorthodox, very different place for something to grow, dry ground, growing. So what is, what is he talking about? What are they talking about here? Okay, let's keep going. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men. So here we go. He's come from a place, an unorthodox, unexpected place. Okay? He is despised and rejected by men from day one. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Let's keep going. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I'm not even done yet. I'm not even done yet. And already, you know who I'm talking about. You know who Isaiah is talking about in the Old Testament. From his meek upbringing, from his very unorthodox origin, to the way people rejected him, And he was bruised for what we deserve. Who are we talking about? He was opposed, he was oppressed, excuse me, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. How many times have we talked about Jesus, Yeshua? the Son of God, being tortured and never screamed out to stop, never cried out for God to make it stop. The crying was beforehand. He was led as a lamb to a slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison, from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? 
for he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. See that? They made his grave with the wicked, meaning they crucified him on the cross with people who were wicked. But yet they laid him to rest with the rich people. Does anybody know where Jesus was buried? Does anybody know which tomb was given to Yeshua? From a rich person. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Is there anybody else on earth in which this could be? So the Jewish people, and I'm not done, I'm still going, but I got to stop for a minute because when I read this last night, I wondered how you can read the book of Isaiah as a Jew and today not know that that is Jesus. How? I can understand maybe not knowing back then because hindsight, right? They didn't, all of this stuff about Jesus' death, where he was going to be buried, they couldn't have known how that was going to happen, how that was going to end up playing out. So I can, ver- I can understand maybe, and I'm saying maybe, having an opposition to Jesus being the Son of Man, the Son of God, the one true Lord and Savior, the Messiah. I can understand again, maybe, but not today. Not today. And sure as heck, not even 100 years after Jesus was killed. How did they not, how are they ignoring this? And if they are ignoring this on purpose and they don't truly, and they truly believe he was Jesus, but they're still ignoring it on purpose because they're that hard-headed. Look, we're Americans. I understand being hard-headed. 100%. But if you're going to be that hard-headed and they do know that this is real, that's a rejection of the Holy Spirit. And you'll wonder why things keep happening to them. Now, I'm not saying that if every Jew today became a completed Jew and accepted Jesus, that Israel would be 100% safe? I don't know. Probably not because they live in a world, in a land, in a region that has been at war forever, and there is a big difference. And it would probably be even crushed even more because Christians, right? And, and, and Muslims, who knows? But I can tell you this. They are rejecting Jesus when they have the proof. I know that for sure. They are rejecting Jesus, and they have the proof in their own scriptures. Oh, I'm not done. Yes, W. Wilson, they revere him as a great prophet and a teacher, but not the son of man. How can someone as smart as Ben Shapiro says in God's hands? I know Ben Shapiro was who I was actually thinking of when I was reading a lot of this. You have to take Bible prophecy literally, just like everything else in the Bible. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. There's no clear as mud verses. It is clear as a transparent window. Let's keep going. So I said, nor was any deceit in his mouth. 
Yes, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. Oh, and by the way, the him is capitalized. The him is capitalized. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, yet has put him and him every time in capital letters. Who do you capitalize the first letter of every word when you're referring to? God and only God who exists three in one. When you make his soul an offering for sin, meaning when you give your life to Jesus, accept Jesus in your life, that's what this is saying. Before Jesus was even born, if you do that, he shall see his seed, capital H. That means once you accept Jesus into your life, he will see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand, capital. He shall see the labor of his soul and he shall be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant shall justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great. And he, all capitalized, by the way, and you're right, sin. Isaiah was written 750 years before Christ was born. And everything that this is hitting on is Jesus. Therefore, I shall divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressions, and he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for many transgressions. Transgressors, I should say. Who, outside of Jesus, could that possibly be talking about? This may be the most important rise up I've ever done. I have never had this kind of a revelation when it comes to an entire faith, Jewish people, who our faith comes from, who we do embody. You cannot embody the New Testament and Jesus Christ without embodying and bringing um, the Jewish faith and the Jewish religion to your Life, it has to be there. We are Judeo-Christian. Christianity came from Judaism. So we are Judeo-Christian. We are just completed Jews. Do you believe the Old Testament? I do. Do you believe the events in the Old Testament? I do. Do you agree with the way that God tried to have people live in the Old Testament? I do. So that's the case, then you're a Jew. But you're also a completed Jew because you are a Christian. You are a Judeo-Christian. By default, you can't be anything else. If you're a Christian, you're a Jew. But the Jews need to become complete and become Christians. That's what I want to see. And what I don't understand, what I don't understand is this revelation that God gave me that I am, and I can't be the only person in the world. There's got to be many, 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 many people throughout time that have also held the Jewish people to task on this. But they're always talking about the prophet Isaiah. So why are you ignoring him? Well, that that didn't necessarily describe Yeshua. Yes, it did. To a T. 
perfectly. How many prophecies, how many predictions were fulfilled in that one chapter of the Bible? A dozen or more in one chapter. 750 years before his birth, 783 years before his death. We know Jews are not complete. They argue after a while. You can show, but not force. Plant seeds, 100%. So I would take a Jewish person to task on this. I would love to have a debate. And maybe it's time that I bring on um, David Brody. Because David Brody is a completed Jew. Maybe it's a time I bring on. Maybe we should. I'm going to ask David to come on tomorrow, Eli. And I'm going to see. Because I would like his answer to that. He would know. He would know. I don't know many Jewish people. So I can't just call, you know, Jewish friends. I, I, I don't have any, any practicing Jewish. I, know I have people who say they're Jewish, but they don't do anything. <laughs> you know, a lot like Christians. But boy, I don't, I, I, I don't understand that. And if we're talking, if, if, if this entire show had started out with you are your own worst enemy, then the Jewish people, you are definitely your own worst enemy. You just can't get out of your own way. Trust me, I'm the same way, I know. So is Ray Comfort a Jew? He actually refers to himself. He says, I'm Jewish because you can't be a Christian without being Jewish first for Old Testament, New Testament. You're both. I love the I love the Old Testament. I love the Jewish heritage that we share, our roots, as somebody just said. I love that. Jesus was a Jew. You know Laura Loomer, Jeremy. Yeah, I know her. I know her. John is foretold in Isaiah 40. Trey Smith would have some good information on Jesus and his death. He's been in his tomb. He's been to his tomb over there. Laura Loomer is a completed Jew. There you go. There you go. I love to see Jeremy growing in the Lord like this. I'm so excited to see. I have a huge smile on my face. Jeremy, are there Christian Jews? Well, we all are. Right? If you're a Christian... You're a Christian with Judeo background, with Judeo roots. You can't be a Christian Jew. You can be a Judeo Christian, but you can't be a Christian Jew because that would be going backwards. A Christian Jew, that's right. Eileen is called a completed Jew. Amen. Amen. I have a hard time, Eli, saying the word Jew because I don't know when it's acceptable to say Jew or not say Jew. You know what I mean? It's that word that you can and can't use at the same time. It's a hard J. You got to be careful about using those hard J's. Never heard the term completed Jew. I learned so much from Rise Up. Actually, I learned that from David Brody. I learned that from David Brody. Java says, I'm Jewish, Catholic, father, married, Catholic, raising my son, Catholic, so I'm ready to be complete. There you go. You've been adopted into Abraham's family according to the Bible. Yes, there are Christian Jews. They have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and now called Christians. 
Messianic Jews believe in Jesus? Do they believe that he is their Lord and Savior or that he's a highly esteemed prophet? That I just don't know. Well, Jew is the faith from what I've heard. I'm a Christian Jew, says T. Mitchell. I know someone that was a Christian, now a Jew, and we cannot talk about it. She brought it to the Lord. What a story. So she was a Christian. Now she's a Jew. So she doesn't believe in Christ anymore or she does. Because here's the thing. If you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you died and he's the son of God, you are automatically a Christian. You're nothing else. You're nothing else. You are a Christian. And that's not a religion. That's a relationship. If you follow Christ, then you take Judaism another step, right? You fulfill all the prophecies that you've ever known. I ever read about that's that's Christ. Christ is the fulfillment of everything that you ever read in the Old Testament. Messianic Jew believe just like you, Jeremy. Okay, there you go, there you go. See, I do, I didn't know that. I don't know much about the different sectors of Jewish of the Jewish faith. Um, I can't take my eyes or ears off Jeremy this morning. I, it's the Holy Spirit. It's got to be. It's got to be. Okay, uh, I have a video. Time for a video, a Cliff Netchel video. We're 42 minutes past the hour. We won't play a lot of it because his videos are very long. But let me get my headphones on here. I really enjoy Cliff Netchel, Ray Comfort. They all just give such great discussion pieces. They all give such great answers to questions. And then, uh, you know, you don't take their answers as um, scripture. You go look it up and you, and you verify what they said. And every time I do, these guys are all about it, man. They They... They are definitely unique individuals. So let's go listen to some Cliff Netchel right now called Are We All Just Accidental Collection of Atoms? Grace to you, limited. When Jesus was bleeding and dying on the cross, two thieves were hung on either side of him. The first thief turned to him and said, Come on, Jesus, supernatural boy, prove it. Get us off these crosses and then we'll believe in you. Second criminal turned to the first criminal and said, You idiot, we bleed and die here because we deserve it. But this Jesus, he's the innocent, holy, pure son of God. And that second criminal turns to Jesus and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus did not say, whoa, time out. First, you got to get down and work in a soup kitchen. First, you got to get down and live a sexually pure life. First, you got to get down and rub out all your meanness and hatred of people. No. He looked that guy in the face and said, I tell you the truth. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. That is grace. And God's grace is unlimited. But that is partially false. God will not force his grace on anybody. God will not force himself into your life or my life. And you see, one of the things that I so appreciate about Jesus Christ is he does not use the tactic of forceful, overwhelming persuasion. You have a decision to make and God respects your free will. I have a decision to make and I have to make a decision. You're free, I'm free. That's the way God created us. Now, by his Holy Spirit, he reaches out and draws us to himself. Yes, he loves us, and yes, he offers us his grace. But if we push back, he doesn't force us. So in one sense, yes, God's grace is unlimited. God offers forgiveness to everybody, including the thief on the cross who died beside Christ. How do we reconcile the old like teachings in uh, Leviticus, for example, about homosexuals needing to be stoned to death with the New Testament teachings of 
you know, love thy neighbor as thyself and, you know, everybody is safe, that kind of stuff. Okay, well, first point is the New Testament does never, never says that everybody is saved. The New Testament teaches if you, if you put your faith in Christ, then you will be saved. But you raise a difficult question, the issue of homosexuality. All right, first point, I have to apologize to homosexuals for the way they have been viewed as dirt by, quote, Christians, unquote. That is false. Guys, what is a man? What is a woman? If there is no God, we are all accidental collections of atoms. And yet Jesus Christ says, no, we're not accidental collections of atoms. We're human beings created in his image. My value has nothing to do with my sexual behavior or sexual lifestyle. My value has everything to do with the fact that I'm created in the image of God. Now, I used to work among prostitutes in inner city Boston. And I understand what a woman says to me. Cliff, I love to be a prostitute. It's the easiest way for me to make money. I understand the rationale there. But what I communicate to my prostitute friends is, but guess what, ma'am? You're more valuable than that. To prostitute yourself, to make money, is to degrade yourself. Why? Because God created our sexuality for a reason. And that reason is, in Genesis 2.24, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So please, my prostitute friend, don't play the prostitute anymore. Trust in Christ. Base your identity on him, not on your ability to make money as a prostitute with sex. And then seek to honor him in living a sexually pure life. And that would be true for every one of us regardless of whether we're heterosexual, bisexual, homosexual, or whoever. We're all equally valuable because we're all created in the image of God. We're all sinners. I certainly am. And that's why I've trusted in Christ that he bled and died on a cross for my sin to forgive me and give me eternal life. And now, because I trust in Christ, I seek to live a sexually pure life. I blow it at times. I lust. That's wrong. That's sinful. And yet I'm consistently surrendering to Christ and asking him to purify me, to purify my thoughts and motives. And that applies to every homosexual, every bisexual, every heterosexual, every prostitute, every eunuch. Does that make any sense? It does. Okay, where would the problem be? So the, the problem for me seems to be the difference in action, I guess, in, in so, a lot of justification that I see for sort of anti-homosexual rhetoric comes from things that are written in the Old Testament. So I guess I was kind of wondering okay. what your thoughts were on, for example, the, I really should know which letter this was. I think it was Paul. Yes. With um, the, I want to say it was letter to the Romans, where he was discussing the yes. difference between Romans one. The, the Jews that were pra practicing Christianity and the Gentiles that were practicing Christianity, and um, with the... Basically, it came down to a question of whether or not the Old Testament laws still apply. You bet. All right. When you read the Old Testament, you have to learn to make a distinction between the Mosaic Law and the Moral Law. Mosaic Law, Moral Law. The Mosaic Law was the law for a theocracy, the nation of Israel. And you were to execute 
a rebellious son. Why? Because there's no police force. There's no national defense system. And if your child has rebelled grievously, that child was to be executed. Now that seems harsh to me. I'm sure it seems harsh to all of us. And yet that was the way the theocracy of Israel ran at that time in order to maintain order, in order to respect people and protect people from being attacked. All right, now when it comes to sexuality, all the nations around the Israelites celebrated homosexuality, bisexuality. Julius Caesar was every woman's man and every man's man. So Julius Caesar was bisexual. The Egyptians celebrated homosexual sex and bisexual sex. The Greeks, obviously, Socrates and Plato's, celebrated having sex with little boys. Underage, boys, what we would call underage. So, Israel was surrounded by all these cultures that were incredibly chaotic sexually. And so God says very clearly to the Israelites, you are to be different. I have created male and female. I've created male and female to make a lifelong commitment to each other. And then within that context to enjoy sex. Now, you know what I love about Cliff Netschel and, and, and these people like Ray Comfort is they can just go out and they can just start evangelizing. They can just go out and they can just start talking about God and people start coming. I mean, look at the people that started just congregating around him. And these are all young people. And every day when we start out Rise Up, we show you music of young people. We are experiencing a Jesus revival right now, folks. Now, I want to stop right there. Because yesterday I was talking about the homosexual family, mother and mother, who were sending their child to our Christian school. And some people took it as I was judging them and making fun of them for being moms sending their child to a Christian school. That is not the case. Or for being, uh, judging them for being homosexual. That is not the case. I have many, 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 many friends who are sexually immoral. I was sexually immoral all the way up until a couple years ago. No, I wasn't cheating on my wife or having sex, but I was looking at people, half-naked people on social media. So their sin is no worse than mine. However, if you're going to make a stink about it and try to change the rules to fit your sin, that is when I have a problem because I don't do that. I don't try to make a church or a body of Christ conform to my sin. That's the difference. So, just to show you that I am about as transparent as a window, I want to read to you a letter that I received last night. No return address, no name, telling me I need to be better. To my home. So that means it's somebody out there that has my home address who sent me something before. Why you couldn't put your name on it, I don't know. But I'm going to read it because you're probably not too far from the truth. However, I've been working very hard over the last couple weeks to become more godlike. Mr. Harrell, I hope you will read this letter and think about what it has to say. After the tragedy that happened at the Capitol on January 6th, I was on the Internet and happened to find your show. I was looking for answers as why this all took place. I have never been interested in the political world at all. Your ideas were very different than the others I was learn listening, hearing. As I listen 
more of the thing that you had to say. You had you claimed to be godly, a godly person, and a practicing Christian. As I listened to more, I have seen some things that are troubling to me. Sorry, it's in cursive, very hard to read. I can I cannot understand a person who claims to be godly, as you do, is capable of mocking people and making fun of people. The things that you say are not something as you seem to think. There are way funny as you seem to think. There are ways to get your point across without being petty and disgusting. If this is what if this is what being a Christian does to your mind, I don't want any part of it. Just to be honest about the way you feel and not hypocritical. Thank you, a confused person. Well, thank you for your letter. And thank you for actually sitting down and taking the time to be concerned enough about the way I act and the way I say things uh, to, write a, uh, to sit down and write me a letter. Um, because you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And every day, I try to be better than I was the day before. So again, I will say, you are not wrong. And the Bible does tell us that as Christians, which it doesn't sound like you are one, uh, we are to hold our brothers and sisters accountable to the word of God. However, if you're not a Christian, I think it's very weird that you're trying to hold me accountable to something that you don't know anything about or the struggle. But if you are a Christian and you do know the struggle, then I'd like to thank you for holding me accountable. So please continue to pray for me so I can be better for God, not all of you. Because I'm not doing this for all of you. This is my personal journey with Jesus that I go through every day. And if I fall off that path, like I'm sure the confused person falls off that path, I'm glad that there are confused people to help me back on the path. I'm not trying to be condescending or anything like that. I'm being 100% serious. But I hope that you are sinless to be sitting down to write me a letter like that if you're not a Christian. If you are a Christian, then it is your duty to do that And I thank you. Having said that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to read from One Minute Prayer for Dads, and then we'll end the show, okay? Your LFA family will call you out if you fall off the path. We love you, Jeremy. Look, there's no no problem. I have no problem with this. I have no problem with this at all. If you're telling the truth, you're telling the truth, baby, and that's, there's nothing, I have no, I have no problem with truth. Even if it is something that I've done wrong, I will always tell you the truth. The danger of high places. 1 Kings 3.3 Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in the statues of David, his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. The high places in the Old Testament were where the enemies of Israel worshipped their foreign gods. Knowing such places of false worship would be a trap for his people, God commanded the Israelites to tear down the high places. Okay? 
the altar. Solomon, King David's son, started off well with the Lord, but then disobeyed him and took himself foreign wives who turned his heart away after other gods. As your children grow, they will face many foreign gods in our culture. There will be high place altars to which they will be tempted to turn. This must not be. As a father, pray and protect your children from the attractions of false gods. Lord God, what a mess Solomon made of his life by turning from you. Father, I pray for my kids. I ask you to protect them from the lure of our culture's false ideologies that, when followed, bring only disaster. I pray, too, that you will keep me from such idolatry. I pray for my descendants for generations. Keep our lineage true. You, O oh God. Folks, I just um, I want to say that we all can do better. And last week we talked about let today be the day that you're judged on. Okay? Let today be the day that you are judged on. Today will be determined whether you go to be with God for eternity or whether you are apart from God for eternity. Okay? If you guys see me acting a fool, whether it's here or on LFA, as a person in life, call me out on it. I'm okay with that. But getting back to the close of the show, please share this episode with your Jewish brothers and sisters. Because I want to know why they would disobey and why they would ignore the prophet Isaiah when he spoke every single word about the coming of Jesus and who he would be. Let's be more like Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. Ungoverned is coming up next with Sean Farish, followed by Live from America, then Unafraid with Mike Crispy. I love you all. I want to thank you all for spending your time with me. I want to thank those who donated. And God bless you all. Have a great morning. See you later.